Folks, in light of the um, renewed violence um, between Israel and Palestine, to read a passage like this is uh, it's very, very difficult, especially as we know this is all about God's people. And had I a little more time, I probably would have prepared a more, um, a different homily, but um, I'm going in a different direction at this moment. We've heard parables after parables of the, uh, for the last few weeks. Parables often use rich imagery to communicate the moral of the story. Whereas for the last three Sundays, we heard the imagery of a vineyard, the imagery shifts to that of a feast. Even better, a wedding feast. I want to say a few things about this parable that Jesus uses. Before I propose some practical implications for us, let me say three things about this parable because it has some complicated and complex issues. First of all, only Matthew's version has the part of the person without the wedding garment who was thrown out of the banquet. Luke's version ends with the second invitation to everybody who came and filled the wedding hall. Scripture scholars tell us that most probably, Matthew was trying to combine two parables without telling us the reason why he did it. So that leaves questions. Second, the king's violence towards those who refuse the invitation is a reflection of the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. That is why Matthew includes, includes the detail of the burning of the city, of the city of those who refused the invitation. And really, Jerusalem was in siege and was a destroyed city. Third, the parable was also trying to deal with the fact that Israel's leaders rejected Christ. Those are the ones who refused the invitation in the parable. While the fallen away Jews and Gentiles, who were the ones part of the second invitation, they were accepting of Christ. So Matthew's trying to deal with this issue. But no matter how we interpret this parable, it offers us some very interesting themes for reflection, and I want to explore briefly three of those themes. First, I'm going to talk about the wedding feast. Today's first reading from Isaiah describes eternity in the image of a feast. Hear what God says. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. As if saying once was not enough, Isaiah says, rich food and pure choice wines. Who among us doesn't want to be there, right? Not only that, but death will be no more. 
and every tear will be wiped away. Then God's people will say, this is the Lord for whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. Now, a feast, and more importantly, a wedding feast, is associated with happiness and joy. Nobody throws a feast, certainly I haven't done this, and says, come, let us mourn. Oh, let us drown ourselves in misery. Let's have a feast for that. Nobody says that. Practical implication, what I want to say is, folks, too many people think of God as a detached lawgiver and a stringent taskmaster. And perhaps parables like we have in today's gospel reading creates that assumption. God burned the city and threw somebody out who didn't have the right garments. But I think in reality, the contrary is true. If there is anything that God wants, it's for us to be happy. Everything that God ever created, everything that God has ever said, all the commandments and laws that God ever gave, all the prophets that God ever sent, and the incarnation of Jesus Christ is because God wants us to be happy. Heaven is eternal happiness. If there were not, if it was not, why would I want to be there? The real point of the parable of the wedding feast is that God invites us to be part of God's happiness, God's joy, God's peace, God's love, and God's life. So that's the first point. Secondly, I want to talk about this, this feast from which this man has been thrown out. What shall we say about the man who was thrown out into the darkness? Why was he thrown out, especially since the king had asked his servants to invite whomever they found? Again, let me go back to the imagery of a feast, especially a wedding feast. A wedding is a celebration of love. Everybody who's invited to a wedding feast is expected to be there because of their love for the couple and to share in the joy of the couple. Nobody goes to a wedding feast filled with hate, dislike, or anger for the couple or the host. If they do, they just stay away from the feast. In other words, you cannot be at a wedding feast with sentiments contrary to the celebration. Similarly, God has invited us into heaven to be with God forever. As today's first reading says, to be in God's presence is like being at a thrilling love feast where there is plenty to eat, rich food, and choicest wines. However, there are some things that are incompatible with God. So, for example, you cannot be in God's presence and have hate, unforgiveness, revenge, or prejudice in our hearts. You cannot be in God's presence and say, God, I love you, but I will not forgive my neighbor. 
Anybody who is in God's presence must have a wedding garment. The wedding garment is the garment of love, Christ-like love. The man thrown out of the wedding is meant to let us know that ungodliness and godliness, sorry, that ungodliness is incompatible with godliness. My third point, I want to talk about eternity, but also us here. Let us get back to the imagery of a feast. In the Bible, eternal life is compared to a feast of the best food and drink, as we heard in today's first reading. Now, everyone has an invitation to eternity. Remember the second invitation? It went to everybody. Everybody has an invitation to eternity. The question that today's scripture raises is simply this. On the day that we show up at the feast, how will the king find us? If today was our last day on the earth and we found ourselves at the feast, would there be anything that is incompatible with godliness? On the other hand, the feast is not just about eternity. God also wants us to be happy in the here and now. After all, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Today, as we imagine the eternal feast of love, let us strive to prepare ourselves for eternal happiness but it begins here and now. May we always wear the garment of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and gentleness. And may we be found worthy of the eternal feast of happiness enjoy folks in one sense every Eucharist is a prefiguration of our life in heaven every Eucharist prefigures eternal happiness we are at this feast and may we be found wearing the garment of love Christ-like love People of God said,